This next podcast that you're about to listen to or watch is about suicide. My dear friend Chris attempted suicide after Christmas, before New Year's in 2018. This was not an easy podcast to publish. I've actually been sitting on it for a while because of its content, and I actually edited this particular podcast. Uh, For the sake of Chris, he did reveal a lot of private information, and I didn't want him to regret putting that information out there, so I edited out some of that private information. There were also some redundancies. We were hashing some stuff over that may have been redundant and so for the sake of timing impactful content i did edit this particular podcast Uh, if you think i may have gypped you in some way I, i apologize but i'm trying to do my best here for the pace and content of the podcast and its impact i hope you or someone you care about uses this podcast as a tool as maybe a one-sided conversation that you get to observe and hopefully it takes suicide off the shelf as an option. There are ways to be happy, there are different ways to perceive happiness and this society doesn't teach us that. I would speak for this American society or this modern society, it doesn't teach us that. It's been a three-year journey for me learning how to be happy and most of my moments and so hopefully this podcast and the journey that Chris is on inspires you to look for purpose and happiness in your life much differently than what's been taught to us. I hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to reach out to me or Chris if you have any questions, concerns, or if you just want to share any of your thoughts. Thank you. So Chris, I can genuinely say I am extremely happy that you are here and you're sitting on the other side of the table from me and that we decided to do this podcast because I feel like there's a lot of information that we can get out there. We can get out to people that may have felt like you and we can get out to people that want to help their friends or their family that felt like you. So this means a lot to me because you're, you're, you're going to express something that we've probably never really expressed before and on the record. And dude, how do you, how do you feel about what we're going to do in this podcast? Like, how do you feel about being recorded in this experience that we're going to do right now? Uh, I will say that I feel a little bit weird. A little, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to talk about suicide. Yeah. <laughs> um, it feels weird, but I'm glad that I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that I'm going to be able to talk about what I did mm-hmm. and that maybe, you know, I could tell my story one day right now and this is so you can copy and paste and send it to your friends yes i'm sure everybody wants to know why did you do this right right (laughs) so this this will probably help you copy and paste this podcast um i know genuinely for people that you're connected to you'll talk to them but for your online friends i have gamer friends just like you do maybe this is a great way to give them some insight as to what was going through your mind because we we forced ourselves for the, for those of you guys listening and watching we forced ourselves not to talk about a couple things that way we could talk about it for the first time on camera so we've had our conversations and we've had some pep talks and this and that but there are things that we said we're going to wait for the podcast and we're going to talk to each other live well like live recording here so this is a genuine authentic podcast that we're doing and so chris i i talked to you in the hospital the day after you called me and you were you're recovering and we talked a little bit about your incident 
So I want you to reframe that one more time. I know what you're about to say, but we got to do it one more time. We got to set the stage. When did you do it? And let's start with my experience. When did you, when did you do it? And then you finally reached out to me telling me you were okay when I didn't even know why you weren't feeling bad. So set the stage. You were in the hospital and what was going through your mind? We're going to start after, after you were already starting to recover. What was going through your mind? When I was recovering. Yeah. Uh, you called me from the Bronx. <laughs> so, and you're like, I'm okay. I'm like, why are you okay? <laughs> So the first thing that I did was when I picked up the phone, I called you and I was basically trying to tell you that I was okay. Yeah. That I was in uh, in the hospital. Yeah. you're. <laughs> that's a surprise yes. to get that on New Year's Eve. So I basically called and I was like, you know. Hey, I have that voicemail. Yeah. Can you remember what that voicemail was like or were you? No, I cannot. You can't. For the most part, but what's know. the most profound thing right now that you think that you wanted to say to me from that voicemail? Because I'll I'll play it some other time for you. That'll be for you. But what's the most profound thing right now that you th- you you remembered that you wanted to say to me? The number one thing that I wanted to tell you was that you know um, on that day I was uh, <laughs> I was going through a lot of things in my head. I was reaching out to everybody that I adored and people who were in my life my friends for the most part mm-hmm. and on that day i just i was recollecting everything that i was doing i was in a very sad moment i was calling you and i talked to you now i t- yeah. pretty much let you know like hey brother i just wanted to call you i'm just letting you know that i'm okay um i did a really stupid thing i try to end my life and i pretty much you know i'm alive I'm I'm alive and <laughs> yeah I was uh, dude I, I I remember and at first I was already kind of getting I, I saw a picture of you on Facebook because you this was on New Year's Eve you left you called me my phone rang you left a voicemail I guess Chris he's probably saying Happy New Year right I you were the last person that I thought would would attempt something like this because I would consider us both kind of like enlightened and woke so. I was driving at the time, and I'm like, I'll, I'll just, I silenced it, and I, you left a voicemail, and then I was spending New Year's Eve with my family, I'm scrolling through Facebook at a boring moment, and I see you were in the hospital in your gown, your hospital gown, and you're telling people on Facebook that you're okay, and I'm like, what phone call did I just miss? Because I thought you might have just sent me a voicemail, like a, like a note voicemail. And I missed it. Like I could have talked to you. I could have helped you. And then I realized later you were telling me that it was it was recording. So you put me through a lot of New Year's Eve. I'm, I'm being honest. I I put my face on my mom's shoulder. I was having a hard time because I thought I might have missed an opportunity to help you. I genuinely thought I might have been that phone call that could have prevented you from jumping. But you were already past that. So it was it was it was already nice to know that we could start a recovery process. But I, I haven't told you that yet. I thought just for a moment that I was that that last chance to kind of convince you you didn't <laughs> I'm glad you're here that we can still talk about it but let let's go let's set up why now like now you're recovering but let's and and there's a lot of recovery and I think the recovery perspective will help you figure out all of the why so why like what was what was that moment for you 
It's the holidays, a lot of pressure. It was a lot. It was a lot of things that I was going through in my head. I was dealing with issues with uh, everything from things that I was holding in, repressive memories from my childhood, all the way back to... Uh, <laughs> it, like you're saying repressive memories, but is it just stuff that you haven't expressed? Like, Do you think you're like ashamed of what these memories are? I mean, it's it's all coming back from like traumatic events that I went through. And you never talked about them ever? No, I never. You never got to talk to people about stuff like this? I always held it in. You thought it was just you, like there's something wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, I pretty much, I was holding in a lot of things. I was holding things that I shouldn't have been holding into. I was thinking about a lot, you know, I was thinking about the past. I kept going back, having flashbacks of my childhood. Then on top of that, the holidays were coming in. I was at the moment where I was broke. I was That's rough. To, yeah, I know. Yeah. We, well, you don't have a job. It's almost like you don't have a sense of purpose. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know, and I felt very depressed at that moment. I felt like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Trap. Yes. I felt very trapped. Because I, I was telling you, we, we had conversations after this, and I'm like, if you would have had a car, chances are you would have not done what you did. <laughs> you could have maybe left and escaped for a time, but I uh, I think you were trapped. From after, from listening to you a few times, you were trapped, and I'll agree with you on that. So what else you did? The, the feelings, relationships with family, with friends, was it just bottled up? Everything was bottled up. I was holding a lot of things in. I was not expressing myself the way that I should have I was taking care of my mom at the moment you know and that on its own started to wail on me it was a lot that I was shouldering did you talk to anybody about the situation with your mom no I didn't did you feel like a dick maybe like oh I uh maybe I don't want to take care of my mom anymore like maybe that's something you held in or or maybe you felt like a jerk because that was pressuring you a lot no at the no? moment it was uh I loved my mom so much that everything that I did was for her. Okay. To the point where I gave up my job, you know, and I was in the house basically mostly all the time. I was cooking. I was cleaning. You know, I was paying all the bills. <laughs> sounds, sounds like you're like a butler, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't really move from that. But I did it because, you know, my mom at the moment, she, and still to this day, she's not able to do the things that she wants to do. Okay. She's a diabetic. Mm -hmm. She's missing a leg. You know, she's recently amputated. And that, too, was a factor of why I did what I did. Um, imagine seeing your mom, you know, year by year, every month or so, she's losing a piece of herself. You know, and I felt like I, what I was doing wasn't enough. Oh, see, I was just going to ask you that. I was... We all have relatives... And we all have friends that we've seen pass on or struggled and then passed on. And I know that's very, that, that's your mom. I get it. But, see, I don't have the perspective, but, like, I can't understand how that, like, you, you I guess, I wouldn't have thought it like this, but you consider it your fault. Like, almost like she can live a complete life. Or where you were not doing enough and you considered it your fault that you couldn't help her live a complete life? Is yeah. that what that felt like? It felt like that. It felt like, you know, she had to be dependent on someone. 
and she is a very very dependable person on herself mm-hmm. she likes to do things on her own cook oh you're you saying know. she's independent she's independent yes, she wants to be an independent she's person. very independent okay. in that way and i told her mom you know i love you so much let me do these things let me cook that's you nice. know and let me do the you know let me let me hold some of this burden let right. me do the things that you know a son should do for their mother you know but it also came into play that I didn't realize the state of mind that she was in. My mom has COPD. She's a diabetic. She also suffers from depressional, you know, mood swings. Mm-hmm. She's bipolar. And then on top of that, every day consistently, I'm there trying to do the things for her while also trying to live my life. I was trying to get a job at the moment. I was going to work first one, going to Fordham. You know, and and on top of that, I wasn't able to do the things that I wanted to do for myself. So that also put me in a very depressive state. You're you're going through this process with your mom, and you're you're seeing her essentially suffer in her own life. It's not that's not good for you. It's it's that's your mom. You love her, and you're also trying to help her be independent. Is she blaming you for any of this? Do you feel like did because I, I could only imagine that you feel at fault like there's not enough being done. Did you feel like you're at fault or you're not doing like I'm asking about you because you're the one that attempted to take your own life. Right. So how hard were you being on yourself? I was being very hard on myself. But like but why? So how are you evaluating yourself in that in your situational life? I felt like I wasn't doing enough for her. I felt like you know and i was to the point where i was babying her i was basically the parent and she was my the child in the mm-hmm. situation where it should have been vice versa <laughs> and i i just felt like overburdened but not because i was taking care of her it was because of the situation that i was in you know i felt stuck in the place that i was you know you and never got a break no you never got a break Never got a break. When, like just... so, in this situation, like what when? When's the last time? Besides, you know, we spent the week here. He's been here for a little while. When's the last time you authentically had a good time with friends or family prior to this? Prior to this, all weighing down on you. It's hard to think of. Almost yes, it's very hard to think. Long time. Um, it was a couple of months in. Um. <laughs> you have to wait a couple months to be happy. Okay, I think yeah. that's that's kind of a problem. But come on, what's like what's the most profound moment prior to Christmas and in, in your attempt? Like what's the most pri- what's what's the most prominent happy moment that you can kind of recall right now? Kind of put, putting you on the spot cuz I'm I'm curious to see what you're going to pull from. It's okay, take your time. You know, the best memories that I have that I could recall was... The most recent one. The most recent? That's what I want. As in, like, right now, right now? Like, the most recent... Before the accident? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to see how long... I'm I'm trying to see how long it took... Or not how long it took. I'm trying to see what the gap is from, like, an authentically happy moment to when you 
you thought it was a good idea to attempt. I'm I'm just curious, like how long do you deal with being miserable until until this happens? So that's why I'm saying, like, what is the most recent happy thing? I know we've been here and we've been smiling, but like before Christmas, before the holidays, before you attempted, what's the most recent happy moment you can think of? At the moment, right now, I can't think. It's of hard. One. It's very hard. Um, that's a shame. Before Thanksgiving, I. I before the holidays hit and before Thanksgiving, I went to Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. I was there with my best friend Kelvin. I remember that, and that was a good time. It was a good time because I felt like I finally was somewhere where I needed to be, but it wasn't the right time to be there. It sounds like you freed up a little bit. Yes. Right. I mean, time away from your your mother is in a situation where she she can sort of take care of herself. I mean, you were you were helping. You know, the more you're there, the more you can help. But you kind of took a, a vacation from all that pressure. Is that what that was like? It wasn't a vacation. No. It was me basically escaping. Okay. It was more of an escape. For a long time, I've been stuck there. I've been wanting to live my own life. I'm, you know, I'm very young still. But I feel like I look at everybody around me and everybody's got their shit together. You know, people got, you know, my friends have. For, for the record, just tell people how old you are. I'm 27, 27. years old. <laughs> so, yeah, you are, you're young. We're young. You know, an 18-year-old might not think you're young, but we are young. And we all, we're, we're, we deal with these emotions and we deal with hardship and, and depression and the gaps of time when we think we're authentically happy. So, I understand what you're saying. It's very relatable. And you were trying to es- escape your situation. I want to bring this to now... And I know this might be difficult for you. I have not asked you this. We made fun of the situation because you were able to, you know, when I visited you in the hospital. But there is a moment when you were in your apartment at home with your family that you couldn't take it anymore. And you didn't have an escape. That's what I was saying. If you would have had a car or someplace to go, I don't think you would have ever attempted this. But I think this is important for people to hear that think about this. When and what did it feel like when you started your attempt? And then you'll tell us what the attempt was. You are you were home, right? Yeah, I was home. And what was going through your mind that you couldn't escape? So I was home. That day was just like any other day. Um, I was trying to start my cooking process. You know, just trying cooking. to... <laughs> yeah. Um, my mom was screaming, yelling at my stepfather. You know, he's, Is this like a, a reoccurring thing? Um, or was this different this time? No, nah, she... Because of her mood swings, she sometimes argues. Okay. Me and her argue a lot. We bump heads. Um, you know, it's just normal mother-son relationship, but the way that she is now is different from before. She's a little bit more grumpy. She's a little bit more depressed, and I get it. I get why she's like that. You know, a person who just lost their leg, you know, and they feel like they can't do anything for themselves, and on top of that, they have to depend on everybody around them. My mom is not like that. 
But then again, you know, it's a consistent daily, daily thing where it was just consistently arguing, arguing and arguments. And I'm just trying to tell my mom, like, yo, you, you got to be positive. If you <laughs> think about, you know, issues, if you think about problems on a day to day basis, you're attracting that to you. You're attracting these things to you. You know, the mind is a very powerful thing. Yeah. And at that moment, I was trying to be positive as much as I could. So you were trying. They were, they were arguing and you were trying. Yes. To relieve the situation. So my mom, you know, she thought that I didn't provide her with her insulin. Oh. I thought that uh, when I went to the pharmacy, I picked up her, her insulin. It was her Novolog and her, uh, her long-acting insulin. I thought that I had put it in a secure spot in the fridge. But my stepfather, since he's deaf blind and uh, deaf mute, and now because of the diabetes, he's going blind. Oh, we got a lot of problems here. He put it in a grocery bag. You know, in that moment, my mom's like, you know, where did you put the insulin? Where is it? You know, I told you to leave it there. So I go in front of the fridge. I start pulling things out. And because of the way that my mom is, you know, she started yelling at me and like, no, look there. But before you look there, look there. But before you look there, no, it's got to be in there. And I'm like, Ma, you know, take it easy. I got it. No, you're being lazy. You're not doing the things that I want you to do. You're, you're just being lazy, you know. So I went to my room. I did the whole, you know, woosah. The whole breathing technique, you know, let it in, Tried let it to out. Zen out. <laughs> yes, sent out. And I went back out to the kitchen. I'm like, Ma, hold on. Why are you going to your room? Why are you ignoring me? I'm like, Ma, you know, take it easy. I got it. She started again, again, and again. I'm like, Ma, you know, let me let me go. I didn't even say anything. I just went back to my room. Did the whole process again. <laughs> whole. I know that's like people do that at work. Like, I can't talk to these people anymore. Yes. And I felt so like it was I was angry. I was sad. I was depressed. And I felt like I've been trying to escape this for so many years. I've been trying to get out of this situation that I'm in. Did you but, feel like I, I hate to interrupt you, but did you feel like you failed that moment? Like, was that? Was there a failure in that moment, or is this just emotions piling on? It was a lot of, it was a lot of emotions piling on. So the zenning out didn't work when you were in your room, and I I know when there's a thing you have your like life flashing before your eyes. You're you're essentially did did you evaluate things in your life now? Like was was this all just piling up? Is this what happened? Yeah, it was piling up. It was <laughs> it was a lot of things that I was taking in, a lot of shit that I was dealing with. Um I was very depressed. I was very depressed. What were your thoughts? Like what was your profound thoughts cuz you probably were thinking about stuff that did not take you to a good place. Anything profound that was going through your head? Yeah. I was uh give us an example cuz I mean if so, if someone's trying to, if someone's taking an attempt at their life, they might need to hear what, what this is like. So what, what was in your head? A lot of uh, self guilt. A lot of repressive memories. A lot of uh, 
feeling like empty inside like you have this void inside of you that you're trying to fill and you can't do anything about it you're just stuck you're stuck in a situation where you're trying to get out you're trying to do this and this and that and there's like there's no outing you know it's like you're, you're reaching out your hand and you're just waiting for somebody to grab your hand and at that point i was at my lowest there's nobody there there was nobody there and i'm the kind of person that i don't burden anybody with my problems you know i realize that now i try and you're like you're such a nice guy that you don't want anybody to be burdened by you yes you, know, you <laughs> want to get out of the way but. yeah <laughs> and it, it goes back you know for a long time you know back to high school you know back to the other things that i dealt with i was always that type of person on the outside i was very happy i would show and project everybody that you know i'm this cool cool fun guy i'm snarf i'm like (laughs) (laughs) i'm this happy you know go lucky person that i'm having fun i'm showing everybody around myself you know that i could have a good time with them you know and but then when i come back home and i'm in my home life i'm a different person and as it's, it's to the point where i'm this different person where I'm going through a lot of shit in my head. You're not the person you want to be. No, I'm not. I'm not that person. I'm not where I want to be in life. You know, I'm just consistently thinking about moments where I did something and I wish that I could go back and fix it. And, you know, in reality, you cannot do that. You know, there's no... You never... I mean, if we could do that, I think we'd fix a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, essentially, it sounds like profound regret. You're you're having lots of regret, and you want to elaborate on that? Is there any is there anything in particular you're thinking of, or is it just piling up to this emotional fuck? You know, like that just happens. Like just fuck. I I, I mean, I've had those days, but not like yours. It's a lot of a lot of uh, regrettable moments. You know, it goes back from like being bullied. Mm-hmm. You know, having low self-esteem. Um, it goes back to like the mindset, the, the the mindset of a person who is brought up in a place where it's nothing but constant toxicity. You know, I'm I'm trying to do my living life. I'm trying to live life, but then again, I can't. I'm putting a stop to my life because I'm trying to help my mom. I love my mom to death. You know, she's always been there for me from the most part to the childhood. You know, she dealt with a lot of issues when I was growing up. Does your mom bully you? Like, because, I mean, you might not want to say that, but if if someone's putting you down, it sounded like this, this incident with the, the insulin in, in the fridge. She's kind of putting you down because she thinks you lost something, and it seems like you do it over and over, like you're you're being lazy or something. So, in a sense, your mom sounds like she's bullying you too. In that moment, just putting you—it's not like bullying, but it's like putting you down. Yes. Like you, like your her expectation of you is so low. You you lost the. It's not your fault, but it's, it might as well be your fault because that that insulin was missing. Yeah. And was, was any of that coming back to you? Yeah, it was. A lot of that was coming back to me. It was more of like, okay, I'm I'm babying you. I'm I'm making sure that you're okay. 
but I'm also not putting a stomp. You know, I'm not putting limits. You know, what? anything that she wants. You know, if she, before I even go to bed, I'll ask her, Mom, do you need anything? Do you, do you need to do this or that? You know, and, and she would be uh, micromanaging me, you well, know? I, 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 I can't help but think, like, you're angry, too, at this moment, aren't you? Because it sounds like you're like, I cook for you. I clean for you. I help you. I assist you. I do, like, is there anger part of this as well? Anger, but anger towards myself. Oh, to you. I'm angry okay. at myself because I'm like, the things that I did, you know, it put a little bit of a, st- uh, it put a little bit of, um, how you say, our relationship wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of mistrust because of what my mom experienced in life. You know, my bro- both my brothers were taken away from her. So... She felt like she needed to hold on to me, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to put any blame on my mom. I love my mom to death, but I put blame on myself for the situation and the the, the spot that I was in because I know that I could have done more. I could have done way more things. You know, I could have had a job. I could have gotten her out of that situation that she was in. And I wasn't doing it because I didn't know how to ask for help. There was people in oh. my, you know, I didn't know, like, you know, how to be dependent on anybody else. I wanted to do everything, you know, on my own. I wanted to shoulder everything. Just, you know, I don't need help from nobody. And it was more of my insecurities than hers. It was more of like, I don't trust nobody. I didn't trust nobody at that moment in time. I felt like if I did let somebody in, I would feel some type of betrayal that this person is trying to use me. This person is like, okay, you're using me to get what you want. But I want my mom to be at a good spot, a good position. But then again, I look outside and I'm like, for months I was stuck. I wouldn't go outside. I would stay in my room just playing video games nonstop. You know, and I felt, I'm, I will admit that I felt comfortable. I felt like, you know what, I have a roof over my head, I have food, you know, all I got to do is just, you know, do things for my mom and that's it. This is it. And I was very codependent on her. But then again, that's not how life is, you know, and that also on its own was a depressional moment for me because I felt like everybody around me has got their shit together. You know, there's people who already have jobs, they already have an apartment for themselves you know, they already have girlfriends. They already have cars. And I'm sitting there in this tiny cubicle room just letting life go by. And every single year, it just it added on. It added on and it added on to the point where it's just like, I'm stuck. How the fuck am I going to get out? How am I going to get out of this situation? That, you know? That sounds like... That, that sounds... First of all, sounds like a lot. It sounds... <laughs> I... I've been to a spot where you compare yourself to other people and trying to put what you're putting together. It's almost like you can't even compare. Like you're sounds like you made it to the point where like you can't even compare. How do you even start to compare? Like how, where, where do you even begin? Am, am I getting close to this feeling? Yeah. Cause I could see why that felt like you were trapped. 
some people get lucky, some people work hard, and I could see you, it, it just kind of sneaks up on you when you're comfortable, right? Like, you, you kind of forget that you're not going to always be comfortable and you're not setting yourself up to, to face a, an obstacle in the future. So you, like, the comfortable, the comfortable moments that you had were some solace, but it, it wasn't you. So then that's when you guess you realize the trap. Like you, there is the regret and you're in the trap and you didn't set yourself up to, like you're being hard on yourself. Like you failed because you didn't set yourself up. And that's what I'm, it sounds like, like you just, everything came down on you. Yeah. Especially when you just said the comparisons, like compared to what? Comparing to <laughs> so much, there's a lot to compare. There's to. There's a lot to compare. There's a lot of people you know, on social networking with these amazing vacations and shit. And you're in the Bronx in a room, in a room just alone, you know, just dealing with my own thoughts. And one thing that's not good is just overthinking things. And that's what I did every day on a consistent basis. I would just think, think, think. I think that I didn't have an outing. I would always think that, you know, I felt depressed. Who who did you talk to, Chris? I didn't talk to nobody. Because you you're a nice guy. And you, <laughs> didn't, you didn't want to burden anybody with, uh, hey, this is not going my way. Well, like, you just didn't want to talk to anybody? Like, was, it, was that even an option for you? I did talk to one person. Mm -hmm. That was my best friend of 18 years. He gave me an outing. You know, every time that I would be on PlayStation 4 with him, he would tell me, you know, Chris, you got to get out of there. You got to, <laughs> you know, you got to drop what you're doing, bro. Like, you know, you're, you're being held back on life, bro. Could just come, man. Just, you know, come to the west side. I got you. You know, if you come over here, I'll have some things lined up for you. I'll get you a job, you know, and, and I'll help you get a car. I'll help you get a living space, you know, and, and every single day, you know, I had the option of getting out. I had the option of just dropping everything, just saying, fuck it. I'm going to pack my shit and leave because it get to the point where I was doing all these things for my mom, taking her to the program, cooking, cleaning, all these things. But there was, I felt like there was no, no me in it. It was just her, her, her. And that's what I felt like, you know, I love my mom. I felt like. That's what I needed to do. I needed to stop myself from doing living my life to help her because I love her. At the end of the day, you only get one mother in this lifetime. You know, she brings you into this world. She carries you for nine months. And the relationship that you have with your mother is very special. But there's also a time where the bird has to leave the nest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm amused by this because you're very loyal and in the situation you're in it's almost like you weren't independent enough to reject it outright because there are people out there that do not have good relationships with their parents and they have both parents and they're both healthy and they don't have a good relationship and here you are you're 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 different in this sense and you're you hold yourself in in a regard and i there's i'm sure there's a lot of people listening and that know you that say you you've done a lot more than other people they know in a comparison to compare so you're comparing yourself with you haven't done all these things 
But then there's a comparison that you're this awesome guy too that's trying to do this. I don't think you had any perspective on that. No, not at all. Because I'm, I'm listening to you talk. You're insanely loyal. There are people out there that are loyal, but then there's there's people that aren't. <laughs> and you're stuck being loyal. And that's, I guess that's part of the trap too. <laughs> that's how you feel. That's what makes you feel better. Yeah. That loyalty. And, you know, I'm <laughs> it's it's to the point where it's just I want to – if I could, I would give up my leg and give it to my mom. That's how the extent of how much I love her, you know. And at that moment, at that present time, I was trying to do everything on my own. I didn't want to burden nobody in my family. I didn't want to ask for help for nobody, you know. It's hard to ask for help. Yes. So you don't have your shit together. Yeah. What do you help with? And then on top of that, I'm very private with everything. You know, before... I was told that I was too much of a gossiper, you know, and and, <laughs> and I would, you know, say things too much or not edit my thought process. And I would say everything that just comes out of my mouth and learning a lot, you know, growing up, I've I've learned to like hold back and not say everything. But when it comes to like issues like family orientated and just like I didn't know, I didn't know. I didn't know how to how to ask for help. And my friends, everybody thought that I was this happy person, that nothing I, was going on with me. You, you had know? me. You had me. I, I'm like, you were the last person. Not not last. Everybody says, you get it. You were like one of the last people that I think that would suffer from this. Because you, you seemed happy. You put like this woke and light and stuff on your Facebook. Like, yeah, Chris is fine. There's no way. There's... A, there is no way. In my head, there's no way that Chris would think that this is a good idea. And they always say, like, the people that want to see other people happy, they know because it hurts when you're not happy, so you'll make other people happy so that they don't have to be unhappy, like how you feel. And that's that sounds like what you just said. Like It's the same thing with Robin Williams. Robin Williams... He was depressed on the inside, but he made people laugh so much and he tried to make people have such a good time because he knew the pain that he had within him. And so he didn't want the people that he cared about and loved to feel that pain. Uh, the comparisons there, man. I know. <laughs> like, you sound. No, and he was, he was he a came comedian. From that same space. Yes. That's somebody that I looked up to too. And then on top of that, it's just the loss. The loss of having icons die like that. When Stan Lee died, that hurt me a lot. You know, and I was in Seattle when that happened. And then on top of that, you know, when I migrated and I did the whole thing process of just... The thing that stopped me the most and hurt me the most was when I had the last argument with my mom. It was like a big argument. It was over something very petty. And... I looked at her and I was like, oh, this, is, this is never going to stop. This is just going to be another, you know, it's, it's, it's never going to end. So I packed all my shit. I went in my room. I did a very terrible thing. And I basically took my mom's credit card. I bought myself a plane ticket. And I went to Seattle with the premise that I was going to pay her back. I took a credit card with myself and... You know, I was going to work a job. Everything that I used, I was going to put it back in the card. 
But when I got over there, it was a whole different story. Somebody that I knew for 18 years wasn't the same person that I always knew. He was my best friend, you know, and that hurt me a lot. It's not what you expected, man. It wasn't. And you really got in it. Now you regret that. Um, you regretted what you did. You regretted leaving. You regretted meeting your friend. It's a lot, man. You know, and when somebody's uh, consistently telling you to, like, do something, hey, man, I got you, and then you get your hopes up high and you do, you do the whole process, like, you know what, fuck, just, it's like jumping out of a plane. It's just like, you don't know if you're going to hit the floor or if you're going to have a parachute opening, and that's what I did. I went over there, and it wasn't what I expected to be. You know, I was treated a certain way. And that came into a factor. Then everything else before that, you know, living with my mom, being bullied in high school was another thing that was a factor of being depressed in the way that I am now. I was transferred from three different high schools in the Bronx. You know, each high school was a different nightmare on its own. I went to John F. Kennedy. I had to fight every single day in that high school. You had to fight every day? Yes. It was to the point where it was a lot of gangs in that school. Um, I had to even fight my own people, Latin Kings. You know, oh, I had to fight shit. Bloods, you, Crips. You were part of. You were part of a group. No, I was independent. I was. Oh, just so a nerd. You, you mean you, you like you, like you you made it sound like you were associated with Latin Kings? Like no, no, you no. Met your own people, like they were Latin people. Yes, of Latin. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I was like, oh, Chris, <laughs> and then um. From that high school, I was transferred. I transferred to another high school. Uh, my mom, growing up, uh, she was an OBGYN nurse, beautiful nurse. And I wanted to follow in her footsteps. So I went to a high school called Marie Curie High School for nursing and medicine practitions. Oh, you want to be a healer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great experience. But it was more of a school where there was a lot of more girls than boys. Oh, boy. And so it's, you probably had an identity thing going on, right? Yeah. Like your friends. Are, and so, Go ahead. Keep going. And believe it or not, I was bullied by girls, too. <laughs> you know, Nobody's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was called ugly, Shrek, you name it. Everything in the book, you know, big ears. You know, if you can see now, I have really yeah, huge does, ears. Let's, let's not do it. You got yeah. the headphones on. <laughs> and, you know, that, you know, it made me not want to go to school. So I, my interest in school wasn't too much. I would, if I did go to school, I would get there late. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the afternoon would be the time that I would actually set foot in the high school. And then ACS got involved. Because they were worried. They were worried what was going on. Why wasn't I going to school? Uh, what's ACS? Just um, let me know. Not, not everybody knows, probably. It's uh, it's like child services, you okay. know, where they get involved. And they basically, they want to make sure that the kid is doing good at school. And he's doing good in the home life. He's not being abused, you know, or she. And I had a case on me. It was a case that was brought on because... You know, again, they saw that my my attendance records wasn't good. Um, I wasn't showing up to school sometimes. I would skip class. And this goes way this before is, high school. This is everything. Yes, it goes way back to like sixth grade, seventh grade. 
you know, I had to deal with the Bronx system. And it's not a very good system to be in. You know, the schools are very repressive. You deal with teachers who don't give a crap. They just give you a, a, a textbook and they say, hey, do problems from A to B, you know, 1 to 10. And they'll just sit in their desk and not help you with anything. And I was advanced at the point where I knew a lot. I knew everything to the point where it's just I was so advanced that everything that was put in front of me was boring. So I felt like, what's the point of going to school where I know all of this? When's the last time you did something fulfilling? Not when you were happy, but when, and outside of your mother, but when's the last time you felt like you did something fulfilling? You did something wholesome and fulfilling. I can't even say if it was just for you because that, that'd be something else. But like, when did you just offer yourself and, and you felt like you accomplished something and it was fulfilling? Uh That's, I guess that's part of it. Something fulfilling for me was going to concerts, going to events, going outside, going to, you know, EDM, you know, events, festivals. Who'd you go with? Uh, I would go with Phil. One Phil. Of my, uh, <laughs> Shout out to Phil. Who loves Phil? Shout out to Phil, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would go to, you know, concerts and stuff. Was that a long time ago? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta talk to people, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> you're not a burden, man. People, people are your friends. They're not, they're not people that you're going to burden. Like they, if they're your friends, they should genuinely care about you. I hope you're. I mean, I do. That's why we're doing this, and you're living with me. Had I known, <laughs> had you been talking to me, yeah, I just, I just don't like crossing the bridges into New York, man. That's, a, that's a big deal for someone from Jersey. But I would make the effort. Like I, I would genuinely have been a friend, and. You know, it's it's easier to just grab someone that's closer to you as friends, and we play games online. But like, sometimes your friends need to show up, and you can show up for your friends. And I had that. You got to give your friends your op that option too. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to bars. I was going with my friend Doug. You know, shout yeah, out to Doug, Doug. Shout out to Ralph and Phil. You know, they were. There was a point where I would go and I would have fun with them. I would go to bars, go to these nice, you know, food places. And that brought me, you know, out of my shell. I was doing things productively. I was going out. I was enjoying. You know, I was you having. You genuinely enjoyed your time. Yes. Okay. It was a hype moment. You know, I was excited. I was having fun. I was going to the city. We would go bar hopping. And that, in that moment, it was happy. It was happy time. It wasn't memories from the past. It wasn't me thinking about this and that. It was just me living in that moment just having fun with my friends so why why couldn't you reach out for that when you tried to take your life i felt why couldn't you reach out for that i don't know at that moment i wasn't thinking straight i was thinking impulsively i was in my mindset wasn't there i went to go visit you i obviously knew you were in a bad spot I went because I wanted you to feel like you're not alone and you reached out to me. So I went. I just I just did it. I didn't have to know your life story. 
I just know you're a good person. We're into the same shit. The woke, enlightened thing, whatever the case, whatever we call this, the core thing. And you're worth, without knowing your life story, you're worth giving a shit about and helping. And I don't think you need to count. Like, you're, you're, you're counting your traumatic experiences. Like, it, it's, it's, it's justifying it. Like, like you're, you're justifying your attempt at suicide because all this happened. And let me lay it out for you. And in, in, in a present moment sense, wh- where's the lesson? Like, the lesson is no matter how much you count, if you can choose and you're conscious of the moment and you can hold on to life, and you can still, like, bad shit can still happen to you. And this is life. Bad shit will still happen to you. But you made a choice to end that. And it could have been... 27 years of traumatic experiences it could have been 36 years of traumatic experiences it could have been in some cases a goth kid at 14 and his girlfriend leaves him and he leaves a note on the internet on myspace and he's gone people will justify their own perspective and that's what i think you're doing and you you don't need to do that you 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 brought yourself to suicide you don't need to justify that to me. You don't need to justify that to yourself. What what na- what needs to happen is you justifying your reason to live. So the story that you're giving me and and the and the life story that I've heard for the last 15 minutes, I'm not going to judge you in any different way. I'm not going to say, "Yeah, you that's a great time to commit suicide." Is that what you want me to say? <laughs> No, not th- no, th- no, that's no. that's not, not part of it. You you gotta. So I'm gonna start it here. I'm gonna be like, when I was young, I went through a lot of traumatic events. You know, I was bullied. I dealt with my mom's addiction. You know, I dealt with things that a kid should not deal with. You know, and then. Fast forward to my adult life. I have a question. I'm going to interrupt you. When you say you dealt with things a kid should not deal with, there's clarity. So, when did you get that clarity that kids shouldn't deal with stuff like that? Because you lived this, and you didn't know that kids... Like, that's your life. So, as a kid, that's your life. That's your perspective. You're dealing with this. But when did you get the maturity the experience to know kids should not go through that? When that is a very bad, it's not a bad situation, that's a very bad situation that I would wish upon no child. When did you get that clarity? Roughly around 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Before I was, I didn't care. I just played video games. I, I didn't really think about my past. Everything was just repressed. But as I got older, 
like you thought that was normal. Yeah, like it's almost I like it was that's just... normal. Like, like not no. Granted, we watch movies and shit, and it's it's not <laughs> it's not normal. But you accepted that life. Like that's from where I come from. Yeah, you yes. accepted it. That's from that's where I come from. Everybody had a similar story. There was people who, there was people in my life who were going through some of the same issues. There was, you know, there was people who were close to me that had to deal with those things. So growing up, I'm thinking, okay, things happen. You know, there's people who go through this. And I thought it was just (laughs) normal. You got to get over it. Yeah, it was just something to get over. But then when you get to an adult age... And then once you once I hit twenty one is the age where, you know, I started to recollect more of my past. I don't think it's an adult age, Chris. I think it's just when you get clarity. Yeah. Like I, I've seen kids, they like there's very much I've seen very mature fourteen year olds that get a clarity of life because they see how like it, it you know, friends give you this great perspective like this is how you, you saw how you saw my parents i'm your friend and you saw a different way that that you just, were raised i was raised right yeah. you, you saw so you have a different perspective and it's a moment of clarity because there's very mature 14 year olds that understand that their family might be fucked up you know but because they have a better perspective or of something else they can now act and change and make choices to like it's experience it's just experience it's like leveling up oh life could be like this that's what we do on tv that's why you're comparing yourself like oh look at these people on instagram with these fucking beach vacations and nice cars and all that stuff you have a comparison there's some sort of perspective and clarity and experience but the bridging the gap is the problem like, how come they're happy? How come they're not arguing with their mom? How come How come my friends... How, co- how come I feel like a burden to my friends when their friends are happy jumping out of planes and scuba diving and shit? I, I don't think it has to be an age. This is not a coming of age, come, being a man. I think it's just clarity, learning, and experience. And, like, listening to you now... Uh, I always I make it sound like you knocked the demons out of you. Like you physically knocked demons <laughs> out of you. Yes, like, I did. <laughs> you don't have to deal with that anymore. No. You've had a tremendous moment of clarity. So you have a before and you have a very different after. Yes. I don't think you need to justify your before. Right. You're justifying the better experiences coming up. So it's better. I will have to say that the past is the past. Yes. I, happens, I That's what I'm trying to tell you. Yes. That is. When you can look at the past differently, then the past is yeah. not just the past. <laughs> it's a learning experience. Yes, it is. It's a way of like you're growing up. The past is the past, but it doesn't make who you are in the future. It doesn't make who you are in the present moment. Clarity is something that I've had. I don't know what age I had clarity, but now... I'm starting to see the big picture. That's There's more to life. There's more to life than just sitting in a room thinking about all the shit from A to Z that has happened. You know, and for people who are going to a depression moment, 
people, you know, me, for example, I was going through that depressive moment. You know, if, if I'm going through this depressive moment, I'm doing it to myself. Because there should be no need for me to sit down in a room with all this clout, all this, you know, consistent thinking, thinking and thinking, thinking that it's never going to get better. It's never going to be the way that I want it to be. And it's just me holding myself back. I don't want to put blame on nobody. I, the only person that I should be blaming is myself. You know, why am I this way? Why? Mainly because of what I went through in my past. But that shouldn't be the person that I am. You're not the same person that you are within a month, two weeks from before. Yes. Every time that there's a day that goes by, it's like the spiral of life. Every day, you know, there's something new. You learn something new. You go through these events. You go through these, uh, you know, moments where it grows you. It makes you a better person. Yeah. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a better person. That's who I am now. I'm in a whole new different outlook in life. I'm more positive. You know, I'm not looking. I'm looking through the veil in a new way. Did okay, So I got to ask you, but like, did you ha like, it seems like you've had this clarity. Like, yes, you're like, I feel like you knocked the demons out of you, but you, you've had this clarity. That's why I thought you'd be one of the last people to attempt suicide. So when did it all just get foggy? Like, when was it like, maybe I don't fuck it. <laughs> like maybe, maybe I thought I had see, cause you're scaring me. Cause I feel like I have got a decent outlook on life. I'm, I've been learning. Right. So what's preventing me from getting into that moment where I'm, I think I've got a handle on shit. I thought you had a handle on shit. And all of a sudden you realize, nah, pfft, Jumping from this fire escape is going to be a good idea. That's like, <laughs> what is that? Because that's, that's the scares me. That's what I think people listening to this podcast. Like one thing, you know, is things are shit. Yes. You, you know, you can know that you can understand it. Things are shit. And then you know what things are better. But when is it that you don't have the perspective to think you get, you can't get past it. When you don't have an outing, when you, when you're a person in life, when you're someone like myself, who, for the most part, the outing part, the whole consistent thinking, man, it's, you're not dealing with, you're not dealing with people on a day-to-day -day basis. You're dealing with mindsets. My mindset on its own, it wasn't good. It was to the point where for the couple of years that I've gone through, you know, being betrayed, you know, going from here to here, here to there, it was me just trying to be an adult, you know, and when you have a place in your mind where you think things are going good, you think that everything is fine and dandy, but then you have that, that emptiness that, you know, that, um, it's like Louis C.K. puts it. It's like having that forever empty that's always there. But you, you're trying to fill it up with either alcohol or me. I was using drug addiction. I was smoking pot. I was smoking an ounce a week. And it was because I would go to sleep. I would just wake up, pass out, wake up, 
you know, play my video games, eat. I was overweight. Now I'm different. I'm I'm 180 right now. <laughs> you're happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before I was overweight. But did you did you know when you you're saying this now but did you know you shouldn't be doing that? Yes. There's something better. It was it was what me. What stopped you? It was it was just that that moment of depression where it was just like I don't I don't necessarily want to live life but I want to be alive. And that's where I was at that moment. And I was like Say that again. I was it was more of like I'm alive, you know, where but I don't want to I didn't want to be alive, but I wanted to live. You know? It was more of like I'm in between. I'm in between what I went through past and what I was going through present. I was in the mindset of an adult, a young adult, 27 years old. I want to live life, man. I want to grab life by the balls. I want to freaking I want to go and have a job. I want to have my own apartment. I want to have my own car. I want to do these things. But then again, I can't do it because I felt in that moment that I needed to be there for my mom. I needed to take care of her. She brought me into this world. Yo, she carried me in her stomach for nine months. I didn't have my father growing up, you know, and that's a whole new other story. That's in my past. But I always have my mom there, and she was always there for me, no matter what, you know? So I felt like, okay, I could put my life on hold and take care of her and do these things for her. But I wasn't living. That wasn't living. I wasn't living. Wasn't I wasn't living. doing anything for myself. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do productively, physically, and emotionally. I had a block. I had a mental block, you know? And before that, I was going to these things where I was on Tumblr. I was looking up psychedelics. I was trying to figure out what life is about. I didn't have a mentor growing that up. That makes sense. Yeah. And I wanted to go into that deeper. What's, what is the meaning of life? Why the fuck are we here? What is all this shit about? That's where I started getting into the flower of life. What's Metatron's cube, sacred geometry, going to Cosm with you, you know, experiencing these things because there is more to life than just working a nine to five job, waking up and paying bills, stuffing food in my mouth with all these chemicals, you know, seeing... Being in the Bronx, <laughs> and in I, the Bronx, I, bro, it's <laughs> it's a whole different environment. When you get out of that environment, and you're just, and it's not just the Bronx, but it's cities all in general. You know, if you're from Atlanta, Chicago, you're from L.A., it's a whole different jungle. It's not natural. It's not. It's a prison. It is. It's a mental prison, physically, mentally, because... You're, everybody is together. Everybody, you're witnessing what life is through that veil. You're experiencing like, for me to be a person, a man in life, I got to have nice cars. I got to rock Jordans. You know, I got to, you know, how many bitches you got, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all like, it, 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 it centers you to the point where your mind is being constructed in a different way. That's what was happening to me. You're this whole human. social media, 
you know, constantly being on your phone sucked in. You're learning about what this person is doing, what this other person is doing, but you're not really living life. You're living life through a camera. You're living life through a sense that it's all about the ego. Who am I, really, other than this person who has these nice things? Who is me? You know, who are you? Who is, who is around you, you know? And for the most part, depression is when you have these traumatic events in life that you don't know how to deal with. And you carry that through adult life. You know, it's like you you have somebody there for you. But when you're an adult, who could you be around? That's like you experience the same traumatic events and you have this connection with people. Connection with other persons. You know, what connections do I have with myself and others where I could be like, you know what? I went through the same shit you went through. I don't want you to do what I did. You know, what I did, I'm facing the consequences. Right now, my back, <laughs> I have a brace on. You know, I freaking jumped. Can you show us the cane? You know, I got to <laughs> I gotta use a cane, bro. I got to use this back brace. I got to, you know, I got to walk around. I was in the ICU, man. I had doctors coming up to me telling me how lucky I am to be alive. And I'm going to go to the accident. The day that I did what I did. I was in a very dark spot. I would I was at my lowest of lows. I was writing a letter. Writing this letter because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And who you like who are you writing this letter to? And I was writing the letter to my mom. Is it your mom? Is it your friends? Is it everybody? What is it? I Cuz you're writing a letter. Who's it going to get to? Midway through the letter and I wrote two letters. One letter was everything that I was going to tell my mom and then I, I didn't finish that letter, so I started a whole nother letter. And I didn't finish it. Because I was just like, fuck it. I don't, I don't even want to finish this letter. I'm just going to go do it. So what did I do? My mom was arguing. You know, beforehand, it was the holidays. Noche Buena, which is for, for Spanish people, Noche Buena is Christmas Eve. You know, I was trying to cook for my mom. I was trying to have a little family. Me, my mom, my stepfather, and my chihuahua. I was trying to do that shit, you know, I I had, you know, I had this perception of like, okay, it's the holidays, you know. I'm going to be happy, damn it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to be happy. This is what makes me, this is what makes you happy? Yeah. I'm going to be happy. I put on my salsa music. I was dancing. I picked up my dog. I was dancing with my dog. You know, I was having fun. But then again, depression. My mom was going through her own depression because she couldn't wrap up gifts. She couldn't cook. Every Christmas she cooks. So I get it to the point where I'm not looking at it in her perspective. She's 60 years old. Look at all the shit that she's gone through. Me, I'm still young. I haven't gone through half the shit that she went through. Losing, you know, losing these things in life, it sets you back in a way where things evolve to the point where your mindset is not where it needs to be. You sound like you're guilty. I was guilty at the moment. You're guilty. Were you writing this in the letter? I was, I was telling her, Mom, I love you. You know, I just want you to know that you're going to be in a better spot. There's going to be people in life that are going to help you. You have, you know, the, you, you have people who are going to be there for you. I'm sorry. I love you. 
And that was the last couple of things that I wrote in the letter. And what would you, you write in your other letter? The other letter was, was just me trying to make the letter more tidier. I erased <laughs> a couple of things and I wanted to make it perfect. I wanted to look neat, you know. But then I gave up. I was like, no, fuck it. This this doesn't even mean anything. So I went and I kissed my mom on her forehead. I hugged my stepfather. I kicked, I kissed him in his forehead. Then uh, he was taking a shower. My mom was in the kitchen. The fire escape is located in my mom's room. So I locked her door thinking that she wasn't going to get in. She was screaming. She was screaming. You know, and, and she has depression. She suffers from... Why was she screaming? She was screaming because of the insulin. She couldn't find her oh, insulin. Oh, she was still there. Yeah. Okay. I thought she was screaming at you like you no, said no, you were no. leaving. She was uh, screaming because she couldn't find her insulin, and I was there trying to find the insulin for her. And I'm like, why are you screaming? Why are you being negative? You know, it, it's 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 why. I'm trying to help you. I'll go to the pharmacy and get you more insulin. You know? But at that moment, I wasn't thinking straight. I was thinking impulsively. I was just like I was I was at my wits end basically. It was not a positive moment to be found. No, no. And it was at the moment where it was just like you know, sometimes and I'll go to a religious aspect and say that you know, negativity attracts negativity. You know, and I had demons surrounding me. I had I had these things where it was just like negative consistently being in a negative environment they were where not I was. Let you be happy. Yes. They were not going to let you be happy. No. No, I was I was low. I was very low. I was so low. Don't even think about being happy. No, I was, and I was holding back on a lot of things. You know, the whole thing with just being lonely, being consistently in the four, four walls. And my room wasn't even as big as anybody else's room. You know, in the Bronx, you get these small ass rooms, and then on top of that. My mom's TV broke, so I gave her all my technology. All I gave her my TV. I gave her, you know, all everything that I had in my room. I gave it to her so that she could have entertainment, because I didn't want her to think about things. So I'm just in the room, just on my phone, going through things, you know, just playing my the my. The door's locked. Um, I usually kept my door open just in oh, case. Oh, I, she I thought you were talking about when you locked your mom's door. So. When I locked the door, I locked my mom's bedroom door. And I'm going to go back to this, you know. That's where it happened. I, there was a air conditioner in my mom's room. It was blocking the fire escape, so I went and I took it out. That's when I climbed out to the fire escape, and I'm looking. I'm pacing back and forth from have the fire escape. Have you ever been on this fire escape? Yes. In you the have. summertime, I that's was wondering where I go. If, if that felt crazy to you. Like, why am I even out here? So in the summertime, it's that's where I go sort to. Sort of familiar. Yeah, okay. it was familiar to me, and I will say this: I've been thinking about suicide for more than that time. I've been thinking about suicide for seven years, trying to just end it. Always thinking about it, but never having the guts to do it. Always thinking that maybe, you know, this is just a thought that's in my head. So at that moment, you know, I look back and then I look forward. That moment that I was in the fire escape, I climbed over. I climbed over and I held on to the rail and I was 
holding on to the rail and I was looking down and I was scared. I'm like, you know what? I shouldn't do this. I'm scared. You know, I was I was fearful. So then I climbed over and I could hear my mom screaming because she opened the door and she was screaming at the top of her lungs. Don't leave me. You can't leave me. Come back. Come back. You can't leave me. Don't leave me. I felt like I was too high. I was too high up. So what did I do? I climbed down the fire escape and I went to the third floor. I climbed over again. I held on. I'm holding on to the rail. And I'm looking down and I'm like, you know what? This is, I can't do it. That's when my neighbor came downstairs and she was screaming, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, and she was the one who was helping my mom while I was trying to do things on my own. She was there helping me. And at that moment, I didn't even hear anything that she said. I just climbed over to the side and I just let go. I let go and I looked down one last time. And instead of climbing over in the front, I climbed over in the side. And at that moment, I just let go. I let go of everything that was holding me back. I thought, you know what? This is it. Fuck it. And when I landed, I landed pretty hard. The one thing that saved me was the store bodega canopy. I bounced off of it like a freaking rag doll. <laughs> and my head touched my feet. I folded like a chair. And then I bounced away, bounced back off, like did a flip or something. And I felt the pain. You know, I was screaming. Uh, and I remember that moment where I was on the floor. And I could look down and I saw my blood. And I was halfway out. I wasn't there, but I felt the pain. And I wanted to get up. I wanted to stand up, but I couldn't. All I could do was just in agony, just, uh That's when somebody from the store came out, and they pretty much called the ambulance. From there, I was out, knocked out. I didn't really, you know, feel anything. You know, I, I could hear people talking, but I couldn't hear. I couldn't make sense of what they were saying. And then that's when I was rushed into the ambulance. They flashed the light on me. You know, hey, how you doing? You know where you are. You know what year it is. Hello, can you open your eyes? Sir, sir, open your eyes. And it wasn't until I got into the ER that I came to. They were putting me into the MRI. They were scanning me and I was screaming, oh, my back, my back. You know, they put on a gas mask on me. Oxygen? Yes, the oxygen mask. And... You know, I was trying to breathe, but I couldn't even breathe well. You know, I just kept screaming, my fucking bag, my bag, I can't breathe. Help me, please. Somebody help me. I can't breathe. That's when they took me out and they put me in the, on a, another bed. They transferred me. And from there, a couple of doctors came through. That's when they started immediately putting stitches on my head because the way that I landed, I... I lacerated my head, not in a straight angle, but more like a star-shaped. And that's where I felt the staples and the, the threat going in. I didn't really react to it. I was just numb. I felt the pain, but I didn't react to it. 
and then that's where like you know i had a cna you know that's basically somebody who stays with you make sure they monitor you so that you don't try and and commit suicide again yeah and they just watched me waited for the doctors to come by and then that's where they gave me morphine i passed out i woke up too and i was on the seventh floor which is seventh north I remember just waking up and then they brought me in. That's where they started bringing me in and I woke up. You know, I was there and I started crying. You know, I I felt I knew the guilt, the consequences of what I did. The people that I hurt, the people that were cared about me the most and that's where I just started crying. You know, I was in the ICU for for mainly two days one day that's where people started coming to visit me you know um when my family came in uh, that was uh the 27th was when i was in the icu i was brought up to the icu on the 27th it was like about a couple of hours right after the, you know i was in the I er not that you know but i'm explaining that no, that's get- when i was in the er brought up to the icu they gave me morphine. They did the whole scans. They did the whole x-rays. I had very special people in my life come and visit me. Um, family I wanna, and friends. I want to ask you, when was your first conscious good moment after this? Like uh, You're obviously being stitched up. It's almost like a medical circus is happening on you. You're obviously thinking, you you remember a lot of this, so you're thinking, but when when do you feel like you had a good moment after this? Speaking with the nurses in the ICU, when I was talking to a couple of the nurses, they were trying to consult me. There was a very, very nice nurse. Her name is Grace. And she pretty much talked to me. Anything profound yes. stick out? You know, she said that, um, you know, parents, they're very, you should always cherish your parents no matter what. She was telling me that her parents now at that age, they were old. So they become more childlike mind, minded. And, you know, sometimes, you know, kids go through things. She was telling me that sometimes you have to let something go through one ear and out the other and not hold it against anybody of what's told to you. You know, if a parent is being that way, it's because that's how they've been their whole life. And I didn't gravitate towards that. That sounds like some clarity right there. Yes. You know, figuring out in my mindset that, yeah, my mom is 60 years old, but she's missing a leg. I didn't put myself through that train of thought. I didn't put myself in my mom's shoes. How is she feeling? You know, and this nurse, she she gave me a lot of insight. She was explaining to me that, you know what? She brought me into this world, you know, and, and she basically taught me things throughout my whole life. You know, it's now, you know, my turn to take care of her. Just like she said that she was taking care of her parents. You know, and things like that you shouldn't hold on to. You shouldn't hold any grudges against nobody. Especially 
your mother you know your father is your father but your our mother is always going to be your mother no matter what you know they say that mother is god in the eyes of a child and it's true until the day that we're old we're always going to be looked at as the child you're always going to be no matter what age you could be <laughs> 30 years old i can old, relate to that yeah you're going to be you're gonna be your mom's son. Like my mom still goes to me. Like, did you eat? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> you need gas money. You hungry? Are you stay in the night. Are you? <laughs> you know, she, she, your mom will always do that. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a good sense because yeah. it doesn't matter what age you're gonna be her child, no matter what. And I didn't look at it like that. I just felt because I lived with my mom for so long, I felt like she was just babying me, you know, and. Like, I'm a mama's boy. Like, oh, you're just a mama's boy. You know, you, oh, papito, you know, do this and this and that. And you have this. And it was too much on me. I wanted to be a man without realizing that, yeah, I'm a man. But I'm also my mother's son. Yeah, you could do both. You could do both. I got. I, I have a question for you. It seems like the most liberating moment out of all this. Like, the, the lesson learned. You, you're obviously in pain right now. You're you're healing, but it seemed like a very expensive moment of clarity is when you you let go. Yes, like opening your fingers was a decision. Is there any way you think you could have came to this clarity without opening your fingers and letting go of that fire escape? Yeah, how how would you have done that? I would have. I should have called somebody. I should have stopped what I was doing. I should have just gone for a walk. You know, I should have just, like, put the brakes on and just be like, you know what? Remove myself from that negative situation. Get some sort of, like, grounding. Ground myself. Ground yourself. Ground myself to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? This is happening right now. Let me just remove myself from that situation. Let me go outside. Let me go to for a walk. Let me go to my favorite bar or a place where I could just be alone without having negative energy surround me not being in an argumentative you know environment i get you i get you and i didn't do that i just acted on impulses and i jumped what what would chris right now the chris standing right across from sitting right across from me what would chris 2019 tell chris on the fire escape before you let go what would you tell yourself i mean i know we've had a lot of conversation and i've given you a lot of advice and insight on life and you know we've been we've just been talking about life and you have an immense amount of experience from being in the hospital to this very moment right now and everybody and all the love that you've received and the people that have been aware of your situation there's there's I feel like there's been more life in between you letting go and right now on this podcast than there's been in months of you in your apartment. What would Chris right now tell Chris ready to let go? What would you say? What did you realize? I'll say, um, give me your hand, man. I love you. Don't do it. You're precious. 
Just fuck it, man. Just come on, man. Just don't do that. Let's go somewhere. I got you. It's going to be better from there. You don't have to do that. Just come with me. I'll hold you, bro. You love yourself now, right? Yeah. You love yourself. It was... Chris, it's... You, you see... You see now, with, with, with the people that have talked to you, and, and people that have given you advice, and people that realize that you're precious. Like, yeah, I think you... You found how to love yourself. I think that's what you needed. Yeah. I needed to be a little bit selfish. Be selfish in a way that I had to love myself. For I never loved myself. I always thought that I was no good. I always thought that I was ugly to the world. Never took selfies of myself. I always felt like I was a burden. And now is a different outlook. There's people in my life now and the universe works in mysterious ways where I found people now from my past and from, you know, from experiences, people that I've connected with in a very, you know, heartfelt manner that they're there for me. And it's okay to let go sometimes. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel like your worth your self-worth is there you shouldn't give up so easily i i gave up at that moment in time i gave up because i felt like i didn't have anything else going for me but i don't feel that way no more i feel like i have a new purpose in life everything that i've experienced so far after i've come out it's been nothing but consistently positive you know going back to my old neighborhood you know the people who took me in the marisol and my friend antonio antonio was my first best friend ever they reached out and they let me there they took me out you know they they these people in the psych ward wanted to keep me in there for a longer period and when i went through there it's something that i don't want anyone to fucking go through man it was a nightmare just seeing every single night what mental illness could do to people. There's people in there with schizophrenia, with multiple personalities. There's people who were in there just consistently, you know, going through rage. And I'm experiencing that through first person view. I'm seeing what hell is. That to me was my own personal hell. I'm seeing what I did, the own, my own consequences of me putting myself through that. Yeah, I jumped. I could have been dead. I could have been paralyzed. I could have been six feet under. You know? And then what would have happened? There would have been people who, yeah, well, they would have gone to my funeral. They would have mourned me. But they would have continued to live life. Nobody's going to stop living life because of something like that. They're going to be sad in the moment. They're going to be, you know, they're going to feel some type of way because, damn, all the memories and all the relationships, but everybody's going to continue to live life. Nobody's going to stop living life. 
And I felt that, man. I felt when I was trapped in the psych ward, I was I had no way out. And I was put there because I attempted to take my own life. What I did was very serious. I still, to this day, don't have a recollection of how big of an event, of something that I did, how big it was. I just think that it was just another day. Just, okay, I jumped. It's whatever. But now I'm seeing it through other people's eyes. Like, yo, what I did, it was huge. It wasn't just a, a normal, like, you know, day event. It was, I fucking tried to end my life. I tried to end it all. And I landed. I landed on concrete. I landed, I bounced off of a ca canopy. And I fucking flipped. And now I have a back fracture that I'm healing from. And I'm very lucky. I am so lucky that I just walked away with just a fracture. There's people who have fallen from way, you know, way smaller and they dead. And I'm I'm realizing now how precious life is. Life is not about how many cars you have. It's not about, you know, how much clothes I have, how much, you know, my self-worth, my ego. It's about the bonds that you make on a daily basis. It's the memories. It's the relationships. It's the people who are there no matter what. And I'm so grateful. I'm so happy to have. I'm so happy to have so many good people in my life that care and give a shit about me. You know. I'm so happy to be alive. I'm so happy to be alive, man. Yeah, I'm gonna say this funny thing right now, but um, feels like 2018 is still on, holding on. It's still lingering, but it's 2019 now. I have a new perspective in life. I'm I'm seeing what it is about. I'm happy that I'm here. I'm happy that, you know, I'm not six feet under. You know, I'm I'm alive. The bonds that I'm making now, the people who are coming now into my life, you know, people from past, people from my present, you know, I'm so happy and grateful that I have those moments. And I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride this shit until the wheels fall off, man. Life is a roller coaster of up and down. You know, you'll have your down moments, you'll have your high moments, but it's just living in the present, living in the fact that, you know, yeah, you're going to have a lot of shit happen to you, you know, you're going to have a lot of this and that, you're going to have moments where you hit rock bottom, but it's what you make of it, and that's what I'm doing now, I'm, I'm living life, I'm, I'm alive. You know, yeah, I got a freaking brace that I got to wear. You know, my back is not so, so bad to the point where I don't have to have somebody wiping my ass. You know, I had that a little bit in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now I'm, I'm still like I could move. I could go from A to B, you know, and I'm still healing. I got to wear this brace for three months. But. It could have been way worse, man. I could have been fucking paralyzed. I could have been brain dead. I could have been in a coma. 
and that's how I'm seeing it loud. Like, you know, right now I'm I'm seeing it in a way where there's more to life. I'm starting to get more into the spiritual aspect of things. I'm learning to meditate. I'm learning about the chakras, about, you know, like, you know, why are we alive? I'm learning about things that matter. And what matters now is the relationships. I love my mom. I love my mom to death. And I am going to get better and I'm going to be there for her to the point where she's not going to be in that shitty ass environment. The Bronx, she's not going to be there no more. But before that, I'm going to have to work on myself. I have to be a little bit selfish. And sometimes in life, you don't feel that certain way. You don't feel like you have to do things for yourself. There's people now, there's me, myself included, <laughs> that I, you know, I I wasn't doing it. I'm laughing because I think you're a unique individual in the sense that you're you're so selfless. That you weren't taking care of yourself, you were you were putting your mom and and everything else before you. That's unique because you're making it sound like everybody's like that. That's not the case. <laughs> there are selfish ass people out there. You know, there's people that are capitalizing off of other people. You are different, and and the world needs more people like you, and the world needs to understand. The compassion that you have now, and the, you, you've always had that compassion. You have this self-realized compassion now, which is what I think makes you a beautiful and different person. I think everyone is depressed at some point in their life, and everyone thinks, what would it be like if I did commit suicide? I think that's one of these dark thoughts that at some point everybody will confront unless you have some and I think everybody at, at, at some point does right and now you have the clarity and you understand that you can always contribute to something positive you can always contribute to something positive that was I, I guess I got I, I was homeless for a little while <laughs> you know I, I went to some dark place I, I thought I went all in life and then I just then I just realized that you can always as long as you're able and that's the thing as long as you're able you could always do something good and I think being able is being alive because you you're not able to do anything when you're dead no. but when you're when you're alive you're like being alive is is being able whether you're stuck just talking you know, like there's paralyzed people that could talk, but that person can talk and make someone's day better. You know, maybe you can't talk, but you can help people move boxes and shit. Like there is always, I feel like there's always something positive that you can contribute. Yes. For every action is a positive or negative reaction. You know, and when you do something to an extent of what I did, you know that right there and on its own you don't know the people that you're affecting the, the the you know family friends you know you're hurting them in a way because life is precious and you know what it's not in your terms of when it's going to end it's the terms of 
you die when you die. The universe. Yes. The universe works in mysterious ways. You know, I have now opened up my eyes to know that there's things that have happened back to back to back. Then I'm like, what the fuck is this? What? Holy shit. You know, how can... How can <laughs> you just... <laughs> Like, dude, you, you just like go through life like, wow, whoa, what? <laughs> like, like everything is like a great moment. It could yes. be a great moment or it could be like, what the fuck are you doing? Make it a great moment. Like, yeah. like he was like, just put everything in the good box, guys. <laughs> you know, like, that's what it seems like you're you are now. Like, like I brought you. I, I live in New Jersey and, and you're you're around trees. Motherfucker, you're just looking at trees. and You're like, I love trees. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> it's, it's those things. It's that present moment. Like you, you can't let those bad things grip you when you can still appreciate so much, and you can still contribute. Yes. I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter who you are. You can always appreciate something, and you can always contribute something. I think that's life. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's very. It's a really beautiful thing. You know, life works in mysterious ways. You know, and. Or fucked up ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now I have, you know, sometimes you have connections. You're connected with people in this world where they were in your past and somehow they would let go of the past. You you forgot about them. Something happened when they were driven away. And then the universe is like, oh, let me put this person back in your life because this person is a teacher. You need this person in your life because basically we're all souls. We're all spirits going through a human experience. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about that shit before, but now I'm, I'm looking at it in a different perspective. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it like, <laughs> holy shit. Like when we were in Cosm and the Mad World song started playing. I'm like, of Yo. course Mad World starts playing. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? That's the universe telling you, hey, bro, you're supposed to be here. I thought that I was going to miss that event because I was in the hospital. And then what happened? A whole snowstorm canceled the event. <laughs> and then it went on to next week. And, and we then made we'll, it. Yeah. And I made it. <laughs> and then what happened before that? I was so down on my luck. I was so depressed. I went on Instagram. And I was thinking about this videotape that I had from when I was a little kid. A little kid just running around being a little travieso, being a brat. <laughs> and then I found, uh, I found my mom's friend from long ago. This woman who used to take care of me when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, I hit her up and I'm like, oh shit, do you remember me? And she got happy. She was like, holy fuck, it's you. I was thinking about you the other day. And now look, you're in front of me. I'm like, wow, that is the universe. It's so funny because it's like you you don't know who's going to be there in your life. But once they're there, they're there, man. It's these memories. It's these relationships. It's these bonds. And when you're in a depressive state of mind, like I was diagnosed with major depression disorder. And coping with that, I have something else called anhedonia. So those are the two things that I was diagnosed with. Anhedonia and major depressive disorder. What is anhedonia? Is the lack of pleasure where you have this chemical imbalance in your brain 
that it makes you not want to have it it makes you feel like you don't want to live life you heal you feel helpless you feel like you don't get excited as much about I, things. I don't feel like you got that anymore, right? man. Honestly, I don't feel like it. I think that's a misdiagnosis because you were just so happy you're alive right. just a moment ago. And I was taking medications. They were giving me Remerol. Remerol is an antidepressant which also helps with sleeping because I do have insomnia. It's hard for me to turn off my brain at night. And I have, I think about one thing after the other thing and after the other thing. But that's just who I am. That's that's, that's it is a, a medical <laughs> diagnosis of something that is just who I am as a person. I think I that's anxiety when you're waiting for the future to do something good. Like that's that's anxiety, man. I mean, hey, you got your meditation book over there. You're gonna embrace that. Yeah, I think that's good to talk to yourself. And uh, man, I'm I'm happy you're here. I'm ha I'm happy you're here, and you know what? You got I'm a happy fucking. I'm here too. You you got a lesson <laughs> and a half. Like no, you had like, wait, not even one. Like I can't even I can't even fathom how many lessons you must have had in in just this short amount of time. That this month alone, this month alone, I've had. It's been like a nonstop, like back to back to back. Like I'm seeing people, and friends and family members tell me things that I'm just like what the fuck like holy shit this it's it's life is very precious why haven't we been doing this I'm like yeah <laughs> Come on. yo I'm here why? let's do this talk to me let's have a good time let's do some some positive vibes let's share it like why are we not doing this now everybody's gotta show up I gotta let go of a fire escape for you guys to fucking show up <laughs> it's, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna. In I'm a sense, gonna, you know, yeah. it's like in a funny way. I'm gonna put it like this: I had a yeet <laughs> midlife crisis moment where I just let go. It's like yeet, <laughs> and now everybody's all together. I'm everybody's glad you just can laugh about yeah, that. man. Fuck it, it's life like that. I I did what I did. I'm dealing with the consequences, but fuck, man, I'm alive. It's just pain. It's a little it's bit just of pain. pain whatever. You know? Fuck my back. <laughs> and pain is basically an illusion, man. It's just when you put yourself through something, pain is an illusion. What matters is that our yeah, we live in a physical realm, but what's gonna happen when we move on? Why? Do we have the things? Why? Oh, don't don't get metaphysical and oh, philosophical on me. I, I was about to go don't, there, bro. Don't do it. I was about to no, go no, to no, the no, whole no, pineal gland. That's another. That's yes. another <laughs> podcast. Okay, you and I, we talk about stuff that we didn't talk about on this podcast. Yes, we will. You know, I, I'll talk to you about it because Mike doesn't like the woo. Everybody knows my my other co-host, Mikey. <laughs> he doesn't. Not that he doesn't like the woo. Sometimes it's too much. Yes. But you know what? Maybe but, you'll come back on. We'll talk about the woo, you know? <laughs> going back to the medical, physical realm, things happen for a reason. And if you're dealing with depression and if you're dealing with these things, you know there's always a better positive way to deal with it. There's always an outcome. There's always people who are going to deal with shit. And as adults, we don't have a whole lamlet of books. You, you don't have a, basically a whole plan. Of how to deal with shit, you know, we're just dealing with it. <laughs> That's we're life. just basically thrown into the wolves, you know. You know, you gotta fit. You gotta figure out life on your own. But 
there's set of principles, set of laws, set of things that you have to go through in life to be where you're at. It's a spiral of life. You're not the same person that you were no. when you was 10. Of when course you was not. 15. Right, right now, you're I'm not. Always the, learning. Yes. Five seconds ago, you're different. A month ago, I wasn't the same person that I am now. I was in a bed. I was in a freaking hospital bed, getting my ass wiped by nurses, having oh people God. feed me. I was physically being fed. And I felt like so depressed at that moment because I'm like, why is it? Why? Why did I do this shit? Why did I do that? I'm so stupid. I felt so stupid at the moment because I'm like, I did this to myself. But then again, why did I do it? Why? Because depression. Depression, mind, my mindset, the location of where I was, the whole environment, who was around me at the moment, what I was going through. Why was I repressing this and that? Why wasn't I going out of my way to reach out, call somebody? Hey, man. I'm fucking dealing with this shit, bro. Can you help me? That sounds like I a lot of choices. Yes. A lot of choices. I you had could have so made many so choices. many choices that you just didn't realize that were, they were there. And I acted on something that was not me. I was out of character at that moment. It was an impulse. It just doesn't sound like you. And it, it's all. not me. It's I'm a happy-go-lucky person. <laughs> I love laughter. I love making people laugh. I'm a comedian. You know, I love... I don't think you're funny. I lo- <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You're not kidding. <laughs> I've, you know, it's like there's things in life. I love dancing. I love having fun. You I love, love cooking. Yes. So can you cook afterward? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chef it up, man. <laughs> I'm a finesse it. <laughs> but, you know, it's just there's a whole outlook on life of like why? Why are we here? What's the whole purpose of being alive? Do you want to... You want to know something that affected me in a big way? Yeah. I, it had to be one of those Rogan podcasts or something. But I, And I think it might have been Jordan Peterson or something. But he said that if you don't do anything, the world is just going to kill you. Like, you have to go work or you have to go get food. You have to sleep. You have to make shelter. You, you have to do things or the world will just kill you. Yes. I think there is no doing nothing and you live. There is, you have to do something to live. And that, that just like made such an epiphany. Like, like that's why we can never be comfortable all the time. That's all, being comfortable is almost a bad thing if you're comfortable all the time. There's someone that will joke to me about that. But we're not ever always going to be completely comfortable. You have to just, you have to engage life. You have to do something. You, and you might as well have the most control over what you're doing. And that's something that is very reluctant and then now in today's society you know i there's if you don't do things for yourself who else is gonna do it that that you know yeah you you are the only one that can live your life yes you are the only one there's no one else that's gonna live your life for you even if someone's taking care of you they're not living for you that's it well chris why don't we um let's wrap this up i want you to say it's going to be hard for you to say one last thing. I know it because you've learned so much, right? But is there one last thing? Like what? And I would tell you to take your lesson, but what's, 
what is your biggest lesson? And since you learned it, I think you should share it. Like, what what's your one last thing that you want to tell people? You're completely hundred percent hundred percent guaranteed to take with you for the rest of your life. The one thing that I can say is, life is precious. That's one thing that is non, without a doubt, the most important thing in life. The second thing is the bonds that you make in life. The people that you connect with on a day-to-day basis. Those people are there for a reason. And dogs. Yes. Animals too. <laughs> and dogs. And animals. I love animals. <laughs> <laughs> so, in a sense, I want to say that the biggest lesson in life that I've learned is to not take life for granted. You know, there's reasons why we go through the shit that we go through. We don't get to choose our parents. We don't get to choose our life when we're younger. But in a sense, it humbles us in a future presence where it molds you to be the person that you are today. In the present moment. Yes, in the present moment, bro. You get so excited. The it's, present moment. Yes. That's where it is. And it, 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 it is, it, it, I'll say it is what it is, you know, but when you go through something so traumatic like that, like me, the biggest lesson in life right now is just being fucking alive, man. I'm alive. <laughs> I could I could feel pain. I could touch my chest. You know, I could scratch my ass. <laughs> I can hop on a video game. You know, it's the connection. It's the bonds that we make. It's day to day. What's more important than anything else is who is there. Why am I here? Why is life so precious? It's the bonds, bro. It's the people who you meet on a day to day basis. And how many times have we heard this? Dude, you've heard it. You've, you've heard it, you've seen movies, you've seen TV shows, you've read it in books, but how much more does it, it means so much more to you now, probably. Like, insanely so much more to you. It's like, it, it, it's like playing a freaking guitar, and you're like, I've got blisters on me fingers. It's like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> life is going to give you blisters, man. You're going to have moments and doubts. You're going to have a whole time where you're going to suffer, and you're going to live. You gotta learn. And you gotta go pass through that moment. Gotta learn. Yes, man. Learn take it. your lesson. Learn take your it. lesson. <laughs> take, take your lesson. So if you learn from it, it won't be as bad when you get to it again in the future. You're gonna be there, bro. You're gonna be up and down, but it's just what you deal with it now. And what I'm dealing with now is healing. I gotta heal myself. I gotta love myself. The best advice that I could give is Learn to love yourself before you love anybody else. Because if you're in society, if you're alive right now, that means that you're alive. You got to love yourself. And I'm loving, I'm learning to love myself. If you love yourself, you can love everybody else way better if you love yourself. And that's how it is, man. So that's the best thing that I could say that I've learned from this experience. All right. Well, we are going to wrap this up. It's been very insightful. And Chris, thank you for sharing everything and thank you man thank you for having me on your podcast you know it's been a sense of relief it's been a self it's been a self like me just letting go of these things and just maybe if there's somebody out there who's going through the same thing yo man you're not alone whoever you are she he you're not alone everybody deals with problems but it's what you make of it on the daily 
And you know what? I'm going to put your Twitter at the bottom of the screen so people can see it and they can reach out to you. Yes. Because you want, you want people to talk to you if they don't feel like they have anything to talk about, right? Without Anybody. a doubt. <laughs> All right. So we're going to leave it at that. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. It's been an experience, and I hope you enjoyed what we went through. <laughs> Say goodbye, Chris. Take it easy, guys. Goodbye, and thank you so much.